Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. On today's Investor Story segment, we are doing a special installment of Why I Invested. We recently co-invested alongside Jason Heltzer of Origin Ventures in a startup called Tavala in the food tech space. Imagine for a second that you could have fresh, healthy, home-cooked meals that taste delicious with no prep required. Seems like a stretch, I know. I was in fact a skeptic myself the first time I came across Tovala. But with their combination of baking, broiling, steaming, and convection cooking, they've done just that. In today's installment, we will cover founder David Rabbi's path to the launch of Tovala, an overview of the product, market, and problem being solved, their admittance to Y Combinator shortly before the funding round was closed, how David and Jason first met and how that relationship developed in the early stages of Tovala, how Jason decided to invest, why David chose Origin and Newstack to invest in a round that was oversubscribed, and finally, we'll wrap up by discussing their current Kickstarter campaign, which is live right now and has more than doubled their goal of $100,000. Here's the special installment of Why I Invested in Tovala. Today, we are doing a special installment of Why I Invested. I've asked Jason Heltzer of Origin Ventures and David Rabbi of startup Tovala to join me. We at Newstack Ventures recently invested in Tovala alongside Origin, and I thought it'd be fun to talk through our thought process and thesis on investment. So to start out here, Jason, you've been on the show previously, but can you refresh us on your background in startup investing and also your current responsibilities with Origin? Yeah, thanks, Nick. It's it's great to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been a professional venture investor for 15 years. I've maybe done 60 or more venture investment transactions over the years. Some of my investments include Base, uh, Alert Logic, Cardavi, My Alerts, and many other great companies, and a few lousy ones. Uh, in my previous career, I was a software engineer, and I've been coding since I was uh, the ripe age of 13. Uh, at Origin, I'm, I'm a partner here at Origin. Origin's been around since 1999. We're on our fourth fund. We are best known for leading the first two rounds of Grubhub back when it was uh, a very small company here in Chicago. We are typically Series A investors, typically lead deals. We're technology investors. The sectors we focus in are software, marketplaces, and content businesses. 
There are four partners here. All of us are former operators or engineers. So we've built companies and built products like our entrepreneurs are doing. And together we've got 50 years of venture experience. So we, uh, we hope that gives us a way to help our companies different than, than other firms. Great. And David, can you tell us your story and how that led to the launch of Tovala? Sure. It's great to be here. Thanks, Nick. So really, it dates back to when I was 18 years old. I went on a health retreat with my dad in California, and it was five days of hiking, all vegetarian food, and and really an emphasis on how you were feeling, particularly around food and exercise. And it was the first time I really thought about food and how it could affect my mood and my health. And it opened up this new passion for me. And so I ended up spending uh, the five years before business school in the food industry, first working directly under the CEO of a company called The Veggie Grill, which at the time was a small chain of vegan fast casual restaurants and is now the largest chain in the country. And then I got a cool opportunity to run a bi-coastal chain of frozen yogurt stores. So at 24 years old, I was handed the keys to run a small business without having to risk any of my own capital. And it gave me amazing management experience and, and insight into how to run and, and grow a small business. From there, I launched a mobile app, which opened up my eyes to the entrepreneurship world and the tech industry, particularly on the West Coast. And I took that experience with me to Chicago to go get my MBA at uh, Chicago Booth. And my goal at Booth was specifically to launch a food technology company. So I had my eyes open to ideas, particularly around fresh food and healthy eating and all of that. And as a busy MBA student trying to juggle you know, having a good time, networking, job hunting, etc. I didn't have the time to make my own meals anymore. And I was resorting to options like delivery, frozen food, fast casual. And I saw an opportunity there to build a company where you could get delicious, fresh home cooked meals, but really not have to work for it. Got it. So David, what is the one line elevator pitch on Tovala? So it's a smart oven that sits on your countertop and comes with a companion meal service. Think of it like Blue Apron, but without any prep, cooking, or cleaning. Yeah, can you tell us more about the problem and how Tavala is positioned to address it? Sure, so with all of the other food options out there, there's some sort of sacrifice you have to make. With delivery, oftentimes the meal is unhealthy, or it's been sitting in a car for anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours. With frozen food, the food usually sucks. Um, with the meal kit services like Blue Apron and Plated, they're great. They're fun to do. You learn new meals. But at the end of the day, you're still responsible for prep, cooking, and cleaning. So it's not particularly convenient. And then fast casual restaurants, you know, they tend to be unhealthy, maybe not the most convenient, few negatives there. And so we saw an opportunity here for people to get fresh, healthy, home-cooked meals in the comfort of their own home without having to make any of those sacrifices, because literally all you do is scan a barcode on your meal, hit a button, and the oven then calculates all of the time, temperature, and cooking profiles necessary for that meal. So who is the target customer here, and what does the market look like? So the first target we're going after are busy young professionals, uh, people between the ages of 28 to 40 that live in cities, are busy, they're health conscious, uh, and they just don't have time to make the meals they want. And at this point, we've served our food to over 2,000 people, spoken to several thousand more, and people totally feel this pain. 
and they, you know, their one skepticism with our product is the taste of the food. And as soon as they try our stuffed chicken breast or our beef Wellington or our sea bass or one of the dozens of meals we've got, they're immediately sold. The convenience is there and it solves a clear problem for them. Do you see the market changing from the date that you launched to sort of an eventual TAM that allows you to access maybe a more mass market set? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're going after that segment because they will be the early adopters. But we've talked to lots of other potential target markets, a lot of whom have expressed interest from senior citizens to offices, to college students, to parents of college students, to families. This is a fairly common pain point for a lot of people. And and we're able to solve it in a uniform way. Yeah, I will say that when I've mentioned it to my family, uh, everyone is is very excited and can't wait for the launch date. So can you talk about where you were from a progress standpoint at the time that we invested and also where you're currently at? Sure. So when you guys invested, we had one working prototype that we'd hacked together and it worked, but only for our roast chicken with ratatouille. Since then, and it's been about three or four months, we've built 30 prototypes. Uh, We've created dozens of recipes for the machine. Like I said, we've hit about 2,000 people in their homes at office demos and at events. We've built out our software so the machine now connects to the cloud to authenticate and cook recipes. And we've also built a developer kit for our chefs so that they can control each individual element in the machine. So the, the broiling feature, the baking, the convection heat, and the steam as well as the specific temperature in the chamber. So it makes that, uh, their lives a lot easier when creating meals. We've also built out a mobile app, figured out our packaging solution, and repeatedly iterated on the user experience of getting the meals, operating the machine, and all of that. And lastly, uh, we've sourced multiple versions of our final production unit from our manufacturing partner in China. And we have one unit that looks like the final version and works properly. Wow, you've got it already. What is the prospective launch date? We're going to be delivering our first units before Christmas of this year. Okay, great. Well, transitioning over to Jason here. Jason, we often discuss deal flow on the program. Can you talk about how you first connected with Tovala and how the relationship developed early on? Sure. I got to know David when he was a student at Chicago Booth. In my role there as a professor and entrepreneur in residence in the Polsky Center, I had the pleasure of meeting a lot of really smart students and doing that pretty often. And David had approached me originally about a clever idea for a student program that I thought was really difficult to pull off. It had nothing to do with Tavala. And we had met several times over the course of a year. And I would say there were at least three distinct moments where I was certain that the project was dead because there was some humongous obstacle that was in front of David, including legislation that was in front of him. And each time David figured out a way to persevere, he figured out a creative solution, and he continued to make progress. And while he did that, he wasn't really sweating much. He wasn't stressing about it. There was this calm determination in him that I admired and was observing closely. At one point, he came to me and asked for some feedback on a company he was taking through the New Venture Challenge business plan competition. And like a lot of relationships with entrepreneurs I have, especially in that competition, you know, it starts out as a mentorship relationship. 
And I wasn't thinking about an investment initially. I was just trying to help. And we met several times and I gave David my honest and candid feedback. And my initial reaction was that it was a good idea. I mean, as you point out, Nick, as a family, we suffer through a lot of the problems that Tavala solves. And so that was appealing to me, although, of course, I'm never the normal customer, but it did seem to me that there was a broad appeal to it. And, you know, there was the hardware piece to it that was hard to pull off. And in general, it was a complicated business. But uh, I had seen by getting to know David over the course of a year that the complication did not intimidate him. And he was going to be a person who was going to figure out clever solutions to simplify things and to eventually pull it off. Great. Yeah. And can you talk about your thought process on the investment and how you eventually decided to invest? Yeah. As, as I alluded to, you know, David really impressed me and he exhibited a lot of characteristics of some of the best entrepreneurs I've had the pleasure of backing in the past. And that relationship developed over time, which is another thing I like to do as an investor is, is to get to know people over time and, and not over you know, a very short sequence. It really gives you a sense of momentum and their abilities. And I also got to see how he reacted to my feedback. Uh, that he he mixed in his own ideas and feedback from others and his his broad vision, and he continued to improve the business. Every time I met with him, he had made another large leap in progress. And so a lot of this is a bet on David and his capabilities, which is true of a lot of our investments in this category that are that are really early stage. The other thing is that this is a big market. The one nice thing about food businesses, and we saw this with Grubhub, is Eating is a frequent use case. People typically eat three <laughs> times a day. And so uh, there, there are big markets. Even as you carve up into various market segments, there's just a lot of money spent on food and preparing food. And it is solving a clear problem. And David mentioned this already. But, you know, you can see the success of Blue Apron and Sprig and how those businesses have really exploded. And there's a great desire to have fresh ingredients delivered to you. But you still have to cook. You still have to clean. And it's a total pain. And with a family, again, I'm not the normal market. I'm not the entire market. Um, I just don't have that time. There's a great romanticism uh, I'd like to have about cooking. But in preparing three meals a day, I don't want that all the time. In fact, I rarely want that. And humans are lazy. I mean, a lot of my investments have been successful because other types of businesses are just making it easier for humans to do things. So with Tavali, you get the fresh ingredients, you get the delivery of the food, and there's no effort in cooking with great results. The food is excellent and it's cheaper and faster than the restaurant delivery. So all those things, it's, it's clearly solving a problem. And then the other thing is that, you know, if you look at Nest as a business, you know, they paved the way to start rethinking controls in the home. And if you look at Keurig, you know, it's a great example of rethinking appliances in the kitchen. And again, part of the thesis that humans are lazy, there are plenty of other ways to use a traditional coffee maker and the idea of putting a little K-cup in there and then your coffee is made by pressing a button is something that's obviously caught on, despite the fact on a per cup basis, it's a lot more expensive. Right. One thing we did have to overcome is that there's a hardware component to this and uh, that we haven't invested in hardware before. But, but for us, you know, today, that's an inextricable piece of the solution. But long term, the money is in the food and, and the licensing of the technology to others that would make the hardware and it's a razor and razor blade kind of model. And, you know, Keurig was created because Green Mountain wanted to sell more coffee. And, and so we see that, that business model playing out here. So all those things together, um, in particular, David's capabilities were why we invested in the company. 
Yeah, did you have any skepticism about the food quality and if it would be on par with meals that are freshly prepared from scratch? For sure. I mean, this is one of those businesses where the due diligence is a lot of fun and and I've had uh, <laughs> many meals out of out of the machine and uh, and given our feedback to it. But but yes, I, I was skeptical and and the first couple meals really won me over and. Look, the reality is, is that with a very large market and a diverse set of uh, people and palates, uh, people aren't going to love every single dish. Um, and that's true of a, of a Keurig, for example, and a lot of other things. But in general, the food quality is excellent. And, and frankly, you know, it had not occurred to me that certain dishes re- work really well by baking them for a while and then broiling them or steaming them initially and then baking them. I mean, those kind of things and that, having that kind of control it's easy to see why the results are better. Right. Yeah. I know the first time I experienced the device, probably my, my greenness as an investor was showing through, but I, I was dismissive towards it immediately because I was a skeptic about its ability to make a really great quality meal. Um, I just didn't believe in it the first time I, I saw it. And fortunately for me, David was incredibly communicative uh, providing really great updates, introducing us to his his partner that was you know a great builder and a great technologist and really new food technology, and of course David has a ton of commercial expertise. So you know it started to change our mindset as we got to know them better about their capabilities to deliver a product that could really produce a fantastic meal. And um, as I started doing diligence on David, I was calling up a bunch of investors around town uh, that have had exposure and some time with David, and everyone was reiterating, you got to try this food, Nick. This food is incredible, and uh, David is is an exceptional, exceptional founder. Even other startup founders I was talking to, so the leader of Sprig in Chicago, I, I happen to know, he's a big fan of the show, and... Uh, it seemed like everybody I connected with in town was telling me that they would invest in David if they could. So we got incredibly interested. And um, of course, it took us some time to get there. It took us a few months. And by the time we were ready, uh, David wasn't ready for us. <laughs> so, so David had money in the bank and he was not in a rush to fundraise. Um, and they had applied to YC. And uh, David said, you know what? I, I think it would be best for us to wait to hear back from Y Combinator before proceeding with the fundraise here. And we thought about proceeding and presenting a term sheet, but we sort of honored his wishes. And uh, after they were admitted to YC, um, of course, it became a, a reverse pitch session where Newstack was was pitching Tovala and pitching David and Brian on on why we should be an investor and, and, and what value we could provide. So just to highlight a little bit more of our decision process and our thesis, clearly the team was fantastic. The, the communication, the background of the team, the builder-seller makeup was definitely in that, that top 0.1 percentile. From a product standpoint, once I had tried the food, I was a huge believer. I often am very skeptical of, of startups that are what I call breaking a must-have in pursuit of a nice-to-have. And that was clearly not the case on this one. They were pursuing something that was very ambitious and reinventing the food prep process. And they had not broken the must-have, which is that the food must be good. 
because the food is top quality. It's it's better than any of these food delivery startups that I've had food from. So the product was incredible. The market, of course, is massive. You know, moving along the the food prep spectrum is something that a lot of startups have tried to do. A lot have failed at it. Uh, some have made incremental uh, improvements to food prep, and this was just a massive reinvention and revolutionizing food prep in a way that that we hadn't seen. So was really excited about the market potential for this, the size of the market. We see all these kitchen devices that are incremental improvements on prep uh, doing very well. And, and this one is well beyond that. So yeah, team was great. Market was massive. The product is just an incredible product that really accomplishes its goal. And we were very excited to to have an opportunity to participate. Yeah, I would say the food is excellent, and and that was a part of the diligence process. But I'd also argue, if you think about the alternatives for various parts of the market, it doesn't need to be excellent. You know, if you think about how much Starbucks sells in K cups for their Keurig machine, it's it's a staggering number, and it's uh, it may not be as good as the Starbucks in the store, but there's the convenience aspect, there's the fact that there's not a lot of cleanup. All those things make a lot of difference to that market segment. And and so uh, Tavala's done a superb job of making great food. But to me, they, they don't even have to do as well as they've done to make it an enormously successful business. Because if you're comparing it to your frozen choices or a family where they're preparing five different meals for three kids and two parents and don't have the time to really do anything and the parents wind up eating the kids' food – I mean, it it, um, it can be really good, fresh ingredients prepared quickly. That's really good. Doesn't have to be excellent for it to be a successful business. And while I continue to believe they will make excellent food, you know, I also like businesses where, where the bar of success can be lower and we could have a really huge home run for both David and his team and the investors alike when we're so much better than the alternatives. I'd like to throw in one thing as well, and this is kind of a pivot for our business that we came to over the last month or two, and that's the ability to use the appliance independent of our meal service. And we came to this mainly because people wanted the ability to use it independently, and it allows us to replace existing appliances. So it makes the purchase decision a lot easier because now you can get rid of your toaster oven, you can get rid of your microwave, and this reheats food more efficiently because it can use dry heat and wet heat together. It can toast bread. It can make popcorn, et cetera, et cetera. And furthermore, the bigger vision here is to have people creating meals for our device, uploading that to our website and building a community where people are creating their own recipes and and kind of taking that work out of our hands. And then what we can do is produce those recipes at scale, distribute them across the country, and get the brands and names of these home chefs out across the country and pay out royalties to empower home chefs and artisan food makers and build up a community that way. Awesome. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. 
It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. I also want to touch on sort of this razor razor blade model that that Jason mentioned. David, you and I have talked extensively about this, and uh, um, of course, I, I launched a product in the past in the water analytics industry that was a a razor razor blade, so a hardware device that used consumables, and uh, it was a very lucrative product, both on the revenue side and also on on the margin side, because these consumables are often in these models very high margin. So can you talk a little bit about how that works with Tovala, the uh, the consumable side of it? Are you guys doing that in-house and producing your own meals, or are you working with others? Uh, yeah, so right now we are producing our own meals, and that's on a small scale. We're doing you know our beta operation in the Bay Area and in Chicago. When we do launch eventually, it'll probably be a hybrid model where we'll partner out for a piece of the food production but we will handle all of the testing of the recipes in our test kitchen. We'll have our own executive chef. Um, we'll have our own quality control. And then we'll work with third-party logistics companies to get that food out across the continental U.S. So as a consumer, should I expect to receive a, a delivery of meals for the week? Or can I find them at my, my local grocer? What does the, uh, the purchase process look like? To start, in all likelihood, it's going to be once a week delivery, very similar to these meal kit services, where we would have four to six recipes every week that change up. You would get to choose two to three of those, and they would come in a few different serving sizes. Delivered to your doorstep, they keep all day with ice packs on them, and generally they'll be good for the whole week. And then if you want, you can opt out You know, whenever you don't want to receive a shipment. Got it. And I was fortunate to be able to use one of your your early alpha devices in my home, but is the use model still going to be that they have a barcode on each of the meals and you hold the barcode up to the device and it recognizes the the type of meal that it's preparing and it knows exactly how to steam, broil, bake, etc. run all that cycle for you? That That's exactly right. So you get the meal, you scan the barcode, the device communicates with the cloud basically turns that recipe into an algorithm. So for a roast chicken with root vegetables on the side, it'll recognize that meal, tell the device, okay, bake steam for five minutes at 350 and then broil for 12 minutes at 550. And all you do is hit a button and then your meal's done and there's no cleanup that's required. Awesome. So finally, kind of to wrap up here, David, there was plenty of heat on this deal especially after you're admitted to to Y Combinator I know there were there were many investors that uh, were competing to uh to have a, an allocation in the round can you talk a little bit about how you chose Origin to lead and also why you chose Newstack to participate sure so my story is similar to Jason's in that 
you know, I put a lot of value in the fact that we had built up a relationship, uh, you know, over, over a year and not on the pretense of investor and entrepreneur. It was more student and mentor. And eventually it morphed into something else. But that to me was incredibly powerful. Uh, and Jason was, was probably, you know, he was one of our first supporters. Uh, very early on, he said he was interested and, and wanted to support us. And he helped us over the summer as, as we were working through our prototypes before we got into YC, when we didn't have the momentum we did, Jason was supporting us. And I placed immense amounts of value in that. And so the decision to go with Jason was a very, very easy one. And that's not even taking into consideration you know, how smart he is. If you talk to anyone that he's invested in or that knows him, they speak incredibly highly of him as an investor. He's very thoughtful. And since getting him into our company, he has proved way more valuable than even I anticipated in terms of helping think through problems, make introductions, etc. So the question to go with Origin, you know, I felt fortunate to have that option. And then in terms of Newstack, uh, Jason actually helped a lot with that decision. We were juggling which investors to include in the round, who would bring the most value. And both Jason and I thought very highly of you, Nick, and your partner, Jeff, and thought that, you know, you guys have, have really built something here and it's going to continue to grow. And, and we believe in you kind of similarly to the way you believed in, in me and my company. Um, and that has borne fruit as well. You know, you guys have proved to be great investors and, and helped a lot just over the last few months. And so I think we, we did make the right decision about that. And I'm happy with how things turned out. Awesome. Well, we were thrilled to to get a chance to participate. You know, if if you're willing, I would love to just hear your thoughts on uh, your upcoming Kickstarter campaign. I know that you've been traveling all around the country and you've been incredibly busy. So so thanks for joining us here. But if you're willing to talk a little bit, could you tell us what's going on on the Kickstarter side of things? Sure. So the Kickstarter is launching on March 8th and we we did a ton of lead up into the Kickstarter and you know, we had this plan that had basically eight or nine pieces to it, all of which would hopefully contribute to success in the campaign. One of those was press. So we spent a lot of time cultivating relationships with the media, securing strong introductions, building out a list of the places we want to cover us. And then, you know, I went and did a press tour across the country to line up a lot of press to hit the day that the campaign launches. And subsequently, the idea is that the publications that chose not to write about us, should we do well in our campaign, we can go back to them. I mentioned that we've had 2,000 people try our food. That was not just to get feedback on the experience and the product, but to actually build up brand evangelists and people that could share about what we're doing and, and eventually back us when the campaign launches. Um, and you know, we've been cultivating those relationships over the last month and a half in our customer funnel that we've got. Um, we, we spent a lot of time working on the video that we filmed, taking beautiful photos of the appliance and the meals. Uh, we've been working closely with the folks at Kickstarter to optimize our page and think through, you know, what's the best way to get users. Uh, and then separate from all that, we've been running a lot of test ads online to figure out what is the right demographic, the right copy, the right images to get people to click our ads and end up at our website. And we're at a very good place going into the campaign where, once we're live, we can really turn those ads on and hopefully they'll turn into sales. So those are just some of the examples of, of things we did leading up to the campaign. But really, a big part of the last month and a half has been preparing for that launch. 
Great. Any uh, final thoughts from you, Jason, whether it, it be on, on Tavala's future or, or maybe takeaways from this entire process and how it played out? Well, after David's nice comments, I hope my mom listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, I, I, uh, we, have, we have high hopes for Tavala and excited to see how they progress uh, in, in YC and in the Kickstarter campaign. And, and I hope many of the listeners here will will take a look at the, the Kickstarter campaign and, and choose to back the project and, and we'll have a device and food in their homes pretty soon. I, I know that my family is really excited for it. And, you know, we have, uh, again, continued to have great faith in David and the team in, in pulling all of this off. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're very active in and around Chicago as well as nationally with Origin. So thanks for taking the time today. And, and David, uh, I know that you're a uh, you're probably the busiest of all of us right now. And so I really appreciate you coming on the program. My pleasure. Thanks, Nick, for having me. That will conclude this special installment of Why I Invested. If you'd like to see Tovala in action, head over to thefullratchet.net and I will include all links and show notes discussed in today's episode. You can also find the Kickstarter campaign link there if you'd like to support or purchase the machine. With that, we'll close out the show for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you again soon.